What up, y'all? I'm Candace Otis, and you are listening to Hungry and Humble Podcast, a podcast that explores the current lives and different journeys of women in the hospitality industry. Thanks for coming out. This week, we chat with Eunice Hahn, a former front of the house manager, about her views on different aspects of restaurants, discussions of her modest to high-end jobs, and lessons she has learned while communicating and connecting with people through food. Let's jump right in. Okay, so um, I am just going to ask you to introduce yourself so yeah. whenever you're ready. Take it away, Eunice. Right. Hi, I'm Eunice Han. Um, I am currently 27 years old. I just moved to Chicago, but originally from California. Um, I am right now doing um, marketing and media in the restaurant kind of world. Um, so a little different than what I've done before, but you know, I had a long career in restaurants within the dining room and kind of switching it up with something new. Awesome. Thanks for coming out, Eunice. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> nice to just like catch up with you and see you. I know. I miss your face. <laughs> your beautiful smiling face. Getting <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> and yelling and in the kitchen. <laughs> yes. It's what I do. And I do well and obnoxiously. So let's talk about uh, where you grew up. Because you and me are from the same hood, yo. We got to say 562, baby. Area code. <laughs> yeah. You grew up in Cerritos, correct? Living in Cerritos, so southeast suburb of Los Angeles. Very suburban. Um, yeah, I would say that growing up, all I knew about restaurants and food were the family, family chain chain restaurants, Olive Garden, Sizzlers, that's my jam, you know, California Pizza Kitchen. I didn't know anything beyond that. My mom also, love her. She's not a very good cook, so I didn't grow up in a very big foodie family, um, but just in my nice little suburban bubble right out, right outside of Los Angeles. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I remember, um, I remember CPK was like, yo, that was like the ultimate fancy schmancy like pizza joint that we would always go to girl have you had their um it sounds really gross but it's actually delicious their scampi pizza no i was a barbecue <laughs> barbecue chicken girl oh yeah just like, like their it. original I yes know. yes mm-hmm. um no um i i would always get the barbecue chicken pizza like i mean yeah in the beginning but like when they um they started marketing them in super and like supermarkets and stuff. Yeah. Yo, that take home pizza was dope. And they margarita though. <laughs> that shit was bomb. But if you go to CPK, I mean, they might not be open right now. Um, but when they eventually open, try the scampi pizza. Cause the it's, it's pizza. like weirdly delicious. So where did you go to school? So um, I went to school in, I went to Cerritos High School. Um, I actually, fun fact, I spent one year of my high school in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Really? So I moved, yeah, I moved when I was a senior. So my senior year of high school. So like right at the end, I Damn. moved to New Jersey. I know, I had to like start over, make new friends, new oh. like other side of the country. Um, and then I went to college in, I stayed in the East Coast and I went to college in Boston. So I went to Boston University. Yeah, that's right. Because that's how we bonded. I remember because I went to school in Rhode Island and you went Rhode to Island. BU. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's at the end of Rhode Island. Providence is at the end of the train. It is at the end of the train. Yo, 45 minutes. <laughs> Yo, that's dope. Um, so did you stay in Boston? No, I, I like I had a great time in college. I did four years there and I said, I want to make this the most perfect four years of my life in Boston. And then I'm going to get out of here back to LA about three or four years. Yep. But it. it was like, it was different because, you know, my, my parents obviously didn't live in Southern California anymore. Um, I subleased, I found roommates off Craigslist. The day after I graduated college, I went to LA. I was like living in downtown LA. So that was like my first time um, as an adult living on my own in a new city, which was exciting. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Um, so tell me about uh, your first or like favorite memory surrounding food. Surrounding food. Yes. 
Um, so it will, it's not going to be food in particular. Is it okay if it's like my restaurant, my first restaurant experience? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Cause I have like, I think definitely my love for food and my love for restaurants kind of all developed, but it started in high school when I was 16 years old. I had, uh, like I mentioned, I lived in the suburbs. So everything about restaurants were, you know, the chain restaurants that you would exactly. find. Um, but when I turned 16, I was able to drive and I was fortunate enough to have a, like a hand-me-down car that I could call my own. And my friends and I were venturing outside of our suburban bubble for the first time and living so close to LA, we decided to kind of drive into the city without our parents knowing. <laughs> um, and uh, So this is kind of funny. There was a show that was very popular on TV at the time called The Hills. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Right? Uh, yes. Oh my gosh. What's the song? <laughs> oh my gosh. My sister's going to kill me. She and me uh, watched it. The yes. Unwritten. Yes. Yeah. Um, Come on, give us a few lines. Oh, how, how does it start? You would have to tell me. Oh my God. I can't do it all on memory. <laughs> what is it? Feel it. No one else can feel it for you. Only you can let it in. No one else, no one else can speak the words on your lips. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> oh my God. I loved the Hills. Elsie, yo, Lauren Conrad. I love mm-hmm. her. She was the ultimate, like, mean girl, but not mean girl. Like, she was down. She was dope. We also liked um, her other friend that was also named Lauren, but we didn't call her, or, what was it, LJ or something like that. Low. Low, low. Thank you. And then Audrey, I remember her. Oh, gosh, she was, oh, and then she was dating, what's his name? Justin Bobby. Remember when they called him <laughs> Justin Bobby? <laughs> yeah, you remember the whole thing. Yeah, the whole I, I, me and my sister watched that show. It was our ultimate guilty pleasure of just, like, all these white girls running around complaining about Hollywood, and, like, they weren't. <laughs> They didn't have any real problems, and that's why it was so delicious and wonderful to like see and like watch. And it was just so funny. I'm sorry, but you could keep. No, going. no. I so <laughs> I'm on the total same boat as you. So I was, you know, we're like teenagers idolizing these like beautiful girls in their early 20s, living their best lives in Los Angeles, and. <laughs> Obviously, we want to be them. So then on the show, they go to all like the hot, trendy spots in Los Angeles. And, you know, they usually stay where they are. So we started Googling these locations. And, um, you know, me and my girlfriends, we'd go out and go to dinner there at these like spots. I don't think any of those restaurants exist anymore. But it was like the trendy spots in LA, like Geisha House. That's a really throwback restaurant. Um and it was the first time that I like dined at a place and I felt like I felt the whole experience. You know, it wasn't the corner booth at Sizzlers anymore. You know, it's just like, I felt like a different person. I felt like a million dollars. I had such a great time with my girlfriends. And like, I mean, granted we were drinking water cause we're underage and we're like sh- splitting an entree cause we're poor. Um, <laughs> yes but- girl, I know that shit real. <laughs> Yeah, but it was the first time where, like, dining was an experience to me, and I remember I was like, oh my gosh, like, I, this is it, like, this is what I want to do, I want to work in restaurants, I was like, I want to own and create my own restaurants, and, you know, I was young and naive, I didn't really realize what that takes, but that's kind of where I fell in love, that was, like, my first experience of, like, actually dining out and that being, like, a, a memorable experience to me. Wow. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Because um, I've actually, I know exactly what you mean in the sense of like sitting down in the in a, in a whole new atmosphere too. And then like you just said something that you're like not really used to. And feeling just like this overwhelming sense of like change. And like, and it's, and like ambiance has everything to do with that. You know what I mean? But also it's just like, yo, like I am here. I'm with the people I love. I'm in this like dope ass place. Like you just become really like, like it's kind of this like overwhelming like joy and like appreciation. Like, damn, this is dope. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no, exactly what you mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and my story makes it sound basic because at the time I was just trying to be a basic LA girl, but it did change. Like it changed my perception of like yeah. what dining is and what it can be. So when did you start working in restaurants? That was my follow-up question. Yeah, so I like I picked up a few part-time jobs in high school and college. Um, I 
after I graduated college. So I studied business in college because I was like, I want to work in the business of restaurants. You know, I saw it in a different way. It's like not what I know about it now, but I graduated with a business degree. As I mentioned, I moved out to LA um, and I got to LA and I, it was a very humbling experience because I think growing up, I was always told that you go to school, you, you know, you get your degree and then you get a job, you know, get your education and then you'll be successful. And then I had this business degree and then I was like, okay, where, what, what do I do? Where do I start? You know, like I want to be somebody in the restaurant industry. And it was very, very humbling because I had to start from the bottom. Like it didn't matter that I just spent the last four years learning how to make spreadsheets and, you know, calculate and do some account, like basic accounting and whatnot. They didn't care about that. You know, I didn't know how to open a bottle of champagne properly, or I didn't know, you know, the different like seasonal ingredients. And these were things I just uh, had no experience or education, like deep education in. And so I started from the beginning again. And I, it was, I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go deep in and I'm going to learn everything that I can learn. Um, and I started at the front Mm-hmm. at uh, as kind of like a lead host maitre d position at a steakhouse um it's a steak chain called stk mm-hmm. it's like very vibey dining it was in west hollywood um so that was kind of my first uh full-time restaurant experience but actually while i was working there and you know part of my job as a major d is to get to know all the clients and the guests that come in i met a chef named uh timothy hollingsworth Mm-hmm. He dined frequently, and he was uh, the chef de cuisine of the French Laundry. And he was there for 13 years, and so he was about to finish. You know, he finished up his time at the Laundry, and he was coming down to LA to open up his first project. And he and I had exchanged a few times while I was at STK, and I got a text from him one day that said, <gasps> "Hey, I'm up this restaurant. I want you to be like my maitre d'. I want you to, you know." train the host, set up the reservation systems. And it honestly, he brought me into this new world of dining and a new world of restaurants. That wasn't just, you know, back to that steak chain house, um, but it was a very chef driven restaurant. And it was the first time I've, you know, been in experience like that. Ooh. And yeah. Girl, you go girl. <laughs> I just want to um, um, reiterate to everyone out there that doesn't know what the French Laundry is because there are non-hospitality people listening, um, hopefully, um, <laughs> as well as hospitality, but um, they're, they're one of the best restaurants in the world. Um, so that is like, yo, I'll see you, girl. You out here doing your thing because he was doing your thing. See, I love that. I love the beauty in networking and how everybody thinks that this, like, this 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 industry is so big but it's actually quite small like yeah or to an extent you know what I mean like everybody knows everybody and usually we we talked about it in a previous episode but like kindness reaches out and finds other kindness and I think that's just so beautiful especially about our industry especially when somebody sees you and they're like dude I know you work hard I see you doing your stuff and I want somebody like that on my team like reaching out and just like texting you and saying girl you want a job because I got you a job because I think you'd be great because you're doing your shit like ah, I just love that that's uh, that makes me so happy Ah. absolutely and like at the time I don't even think I understood the gravity of the situation you know like I was just like cool yeah I want to open a new restaurant that sounds fun you know I'm like not really realizing like it was definitely like the launch of my restaurant career for sure hands down so I was at Odium for, you know, oh gosh, that place was, I was there in that building when it was just wood and nails. Yeah. And then there through the transition when they first opened. Um, and then uh, by the time I left, I was uh, kind of like the more senior dining room manager. So right under the AGM. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a huge restaurant if you've um, ever been. We did lunch, brunch, mid, like a midday service and then dinner. And we do like 500 covers just for dinner. Damn. Pretty massive place, but it was so much fun. It was like the best, it was the first time I was really learning about food and about wine and about service. Um, And 
I decided that I wanted to dive deeper into that and kind of go more into fine dining since, you know, Chef Tim's background was at the French Laundry, which is also like super fine dining. It was a three Michelin star restaurant. I, I was very influenced by that. And so I kind of wanted that experience of my own. So I decided to move to San Francisco and that's where I took um, a job at Atelier Cren. I started off as a back waiter there and they were two Michelin stars when I had first started there and then just kind of worked my way up, uh, got a captain position and then um, pr promoted to a captain position and then they had gotten their three stars while I was there. So that was a phenomenal experience. Oh, <laughs> so proud of you, Eunice. Thank I love you, you girl. Oh, oh. I just love it. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Um, I would love to rewind and ask you what it's like um, opening a new restaurant, especially in the front um, perspective. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's, it's um, constant, constantly revising and revising and revising. Like you can't expect everything to be set in stone day one. Like you have to be very adaptable and you have to be very nimble and um, you have to just make sure that you are constantly changing for the better and finding opportunities to, to make the place that you want it to be and make it set and fit to what you want it to be. And that's really uh, mostly following the vision of the chef and his voice. Um, but I would say the key thing about opening any new space is just be adaptable. Awesome. It might be one way one day and then it's going to be a different way the next day. Because that's, that's a very big theme in general in the hospitality industry. Um, like that you, that's ironic that you learn it from the beginning and then you continue to learn it <laughs> throughout. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, as like a chef, you know, like I was taught um, at a very early, um, early on in my career that even though like this recipe works, right? It's been tested. There's R&D, you know, um, and it works. But at the same time, perfection is subjective obviously but to that perfection of the standard that it's which it's being held they say hey like if it if if we can improve it we're going to improve it like there's always always room for improvement there's always room for improvement you always have to keep pushing you want to strive for the very best that you think it can possibly be and i mean that's integrity that's standards that's yada 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 but um being adaptable is like what we have to we <sighs> It's, we're cockroaches in the sense of like survival skills and also being <laughs> adaptable. <laughs> like, Absolutely. You have to learn to survive. You have to learn to like mold within. Um, and that, that has to do with kitchens and that has to do with a lot of places, not just like restaurants, but like being able to, to find yourself in the culture that is being presented and I know some of the best places I've ever worked in had a very strict and beautiful culture, you know what I mean, where they instilled a lot of different themes in, in, mm -hmm. into us. And they, and they would give us a mission statement. They would give us a, you know, um, and they would say, hey, these are the things that we stand for. These are the things that uh, we want to represent in our community. This is what we want to represent to the public. And that's what it's all about. So I just think that's great. Um, I, went sure. on, I went off on Do a Do you have experience opening a restaurant? Do I have experience? No, I wish. Um, I have only worked in very established um, <laughs> and very, um, and only independent owned restaurants, like my professional oh, okay. career, which uh -huh. I wanted to focus on mainly because I love the beauty of um, non-corporate places. Um, um, I love the fact that I can talk to the person in charge directly easily and then address them in um if there's an issue or if there's um or not an issue like i'd like to be able to look at the person that owns the place and be able to have a conversation with them i think it's really important i think um because i've worked in corporate before i went to school and then i started like doing this like really realizing this is what i wanted to do mm -hmm. and i um i realized that it's not for me because there's so many different chains of command. There's so many things that get lost, lost in translation. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying corporations, yo, out there, I mean, you know, a lot of y'all know how to do your job and that's great. <laughs> <laughs> but for me personally, I like independently owned private businesses because there is like the most important thing to me that has been instilled with me since I can ever remember is integrity. Like mm -hmm. just knowing the truth about things and like living by that 
Yeah. And a lot of the private independent businesses I've worked for and have seen instill those values. And that's important to me because it's like, hospitality is all about taking care of people. It's mm-hmm. about, you know what I mean? So why be in a business with people that don't want to take care of people? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and, and maybe that's their intention, but it, you know, things get lost. And, and I'm not saying all independent private businesses are great. And I'm not saying all of them are bad. You know what I mean? I'm just saying the ones that I've been blessed to be a part of have those values. They have that like just beauty and grace and like they held they hold themselves accountable and like they're just all around good people wanting to express their vision and also serve the community. And it's just like, and that's what, that's what I want to be a part of. That's, that's, that's me. You know what I mean? So (laughs) that's what I want to do, you know? So hopefully, you know, in the future when I get to God willing, you know, um, open my own spot, I will think of those things and also being adaptable. Um, is there any advice um, that you have been given that has helped you in the past? Or is there any advice that you wish was given to you that could help somebody in the future? <laughs> I feel like there's, you know, when there's like so much advice you've been given and like mentorship that people have like, you know, yes. give on, uh, like given you, um, and you can't think of one. <laughs> <laughs> You're put on the spot. I'm like, ah! Um I think the whole fact of something for especially in our industry is just to keep learning and like grab it wherever you can. Like there's always, especially if you're, you know, you want to do this professionally. Like I understand restaurants are two ways. Like it could just be a side job for you, a means of income. But I think if you are like looking to, you know, grow in this professionally um, and you are passionate about it, just learn where you can and just learn everywhere, everything around you. So for example, there's so many different parts of a restaurant that make it work. Don't think that you only have to know your little bubble and your little department of the restaurant. Like I would encourage and challenge people because this has kind of been advice to me and I've kind of done it myself as well to learn every single part of the restaurant, learn what makes it go. Like from, even if you're in the front of house, you know, talk to your chef, put on a chef white and start chopping up vegetables in the back. You know, that's something I did at Odium. I would go in the morning and I would just prep with all the other comies and just try to learn what they're doing, at least like get in their shoes for a little bit. Um, you know, you can also volunteer to make family meal if you're in yes. the front of house, which is always a good thing to do. And then you kind of get to understand how the back of house works. Um, even if you are a server, learn the basics of bartending. If you're a bartender, learn how the front um, hosting reservation system works. You know, I think it's very important to just know every single department. I think you are selling yourself short if you decide I am just a server and I'm going to learn only how to serve, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that the more you know and the more you understand about the other positions, it's going to make your job better and your job easier as well. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. I love that because the best, the best workers I know have an overall, like they understand the big picture of it all because it's like, yo, like you can do as much as you can, but you're also one person, you're one human, but you can't run this entire place by yourself to an extent. (laughs) I mean, you know, (laughs) if it's a sandwich shop, then maybe, you know what I mean? But like, we talk, we talking like a whole ass restaurant, like you need a team, you need that camaraderie, but you also need to understand and put yourself in other people's perspectives. You know what I mean? Because that that is going to help you grow. That's also going to make you a lot more um, empathetic t- towards people. And like, and because, you know, there's always that like big, weird dynamic between the front of the house and the back of the house, which I've never understood. Um, and I don't know if that's just like immaturity or ego or what, but like, I have never, like, I was taught, in general, I, I mean, you know, because my mom and my daddy, they they good folk, you know, like be kind to people, give um um give the respect that you wish to receive, you know. Yeah. I've never understood the 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 verses in the sense of like y'all can't do one without the other. Mm-hmm. So where like where is this like weird tyranny or like you know what I mean like this yeah, this strange. Totally. Yeah, like putting up vo- uh, verses, like North versus South Korea. Like, what, what you guys, like, we are all, 
like, no, no, we are all one unit. We are all working together. We all want the same goal. We want to serve people and give beautiful food and like have fun. Like that's, that's mainly the thing. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, that's, that's what it is. And that's yeah. what makes the job so fun, you know? Yeah. So I've never understood why people are like, the front versus the back. Um, when I say front versus back, I mean front of the house versus the back of the house. So front of the house is usually managers or uh, bartenders, um, servers, hosts, um, everybody that you literally see, unless you're in an open kitchen. But and then the back of the house is everybody in the back of the house. So the 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 kitchen crew, the dishwashers, you know, uh, etc. But there's always been this weird you know, I, like I said, versus dynamic that I've never understood. And if everybody literally understood, I feel like if they put in a little bit more effort and into understanding what the other person next to them or the other person in the other room is doing, I think it would make them, like I said, empathize a little bit more, you know what I mean? And everybody work together a lot. Cause I, like I said, the best workers I know understand, you know, like you got a whole bunch of people to manage and I'm back here cooking my food. And like, if there's a discrepancy, you know what I mean? Like, the best chefs I know are very like they have a beautiful and healthy relationship with their managers because they mm-hmm. know and then vice versa, they know that they can't do their job without the other person. So yeah. there's always something you can learn from each other and there's always something that you guys can do to like boost each other up. And yeah, I think the more camaraderie you have, it just makes everything better. And I think that's yeah, that's just a huge part of it. Like learn everything and respect each other and respect what your you know, your colleagues do. Um, what is, um, your biggest inspiration or who is your biggest inspiration? You can say, you can say career wise or not. Um, just somebody that's had a really big influence on your life that you want to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) A place that I, I, I get inspired by others a lot. And I know that's just very vague because I'm not saying one person, but I think part of, like myself uh, professionally is constantly seeing what other people are doing, you know, and researching and studying up on other people, other chefs, other restaurants, what are they doing, reading up on them, reading articles about them, you know, um, and going out to dine and supporting other, other restaurants, other chefs and seeing what they're doing, asking questions about it. And I think um, a part of my inspiration comes uh, not just maybe from one place, but just constantly seeking out more and seeking out what others are doing. So I always say, or recently I've said that I'm, I am not an artist. Like I am not original. I don't think I've had an original thought in my mind, Um, (laughs) but, (laughs) but I am very good at not reinventing the wheel. Also, like I look at what other people are doing and I, that's where I get inspiration from. And that's where I'm learning. And that's where I'm seeing where other things come from because I realize that other people have really great ideas and are far more artistically creative than I am and like I'm willing to learn from them I'm willing to say that I am not you know I'm not an original person but I can learn and be inspired by the work of others (laughs) I think I think people are the big influence in that sense too like you just said because I know it's like that in the kitchens you know if I see my homie next to me like hustling and bustling I'm like you know what dude he can't be the only one you know so I'm gonna I'm a push harder too or you're yeah. pushing and your like go-getter attitude and your passion can influence the person next to you like you just did you know what I mean so um I would totally agree with that honestly yeah I'm definitely I, I get a lot of energy from the people around me and like kind of the environment of the room mm-hmm. um so I always try to go into every you know kind of like you said, I try to go into every service with, you know, positivity and like putting it out there, putting the energy out there just so that other people can vibe off of me and then I can vibe off of them. And, you know, we all have a good time, a good service and we treat our guests well and yeah, so on and so forth. <laughs> so you, you were at Atelier Cren for how long? I was there for a year. For a year. And then you, and then you came to the progress, correct? And I went to the progress after that. And ladies and gentlemen, that's how me and the beautiful Eunice Han met and fell in love. (laughs) I know, where we met. Uh, fell in love. I know, and we bonded over 562, baby. I was like, girl, you from, I was like, oh, I'm from LA. You're like, no, I'm from LA. And I was like, girl, what Erica? She said 562. I went, yes, she knows. So we can actually talk about things. She my neighbor, Mm -hmm. y'all. I love it. I love it. Um, So... 
what made you want to transition from Atelier Cran, a three Michelin star, uh, one of the best restaurants in the world, uh, mm-hmm. Dominique Cran, dope woman, oh my lanta, ugh, just a queen. Um, <laughs> what made you want to transition from that atmosphere to the progress? Because the progress is a lot more. It still has a Michelin star. It, 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 the, the food is beautiful and elevated. I love the progress. Shout out San Francisco, California. Yo, it's dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, what made you want to transition like vibe wise, I should say, because it's a, it's a different. Yeah, feel. definitely. So I, I would say at my core, the progress is more my style of restaurant. I love the progress. Like I love the, just the restaurant and the energy and the menu and the space that Chef Stewart and Chef Nicole have created. And I think, um, you know, if I were to create my own restaurant, it would look a lot more like the progress than it would Atelier Cren. Um, and actually Odium was very similar to the progress as well. It's big open space, you know, great food, full bar. Um, Atelier Cren was a very specific, I think, point in my career that I took. Um, I made the move and I specifically chose to work there um, to learn that style of service and to kind of get the repetition in and to learn like kind of deepen my knowledge of food and of wine and of a fine dining service um, and just really discipline myself in that and um, I mean I was I wasn't putting a set date on it but it was something that I knew I wasn't gonna I probably wasn't gonna do forever it was something that I, I really had this urge to learn and to get some experience in. Um, but I immediately wanted to go back to like a, a, a dining style, more like the progress, you know, I love regulars that come in and you see them, you know, come in, you know, once a week, twice a week. A lot of times you can't get that at a fine dining restaurant. Um, so just making and creating a space where everyone that comes in is family and you get to take care of your guests and really get to learn and know your guest over a course of a few months, you know want to shout out to all of the managers I've ever had and um most of them were women um which is I know um which is like rare apparently because I was like what are you talking about all the restaurants I've ever worked at the woman owned the restaurant or she was running the restaurant and you're working at the right restaurants then girl you (laughs) ain't never (laughs) lie (laughs) they were dope yeah um I've been very blessed it was great to see somebody like you run in the place not just because you are amazing at what you do like you have just such a way with people you are so understanding you are so patient oh my god I pray for that patience every day (laughs) (laughs) like I think there are just people on this earth that are blessed with inherent patience those are teachers those are restaurant (laughs) managers those are like anybody that oh man anyway you are so patient, you are so gracious, and you are so kind, but you also are incredibly, like, dominant, and, like, assertive, and strong, and, like, I just admire your entire style, and I admire just, like, how beautiful a representation of somebody like somebody and you're so young you know what I mean like you're not you're like you said you were 20 gee girl you're a year older than me damn um, <laughs> um you're 27 years old and like you are commanding so much respect and so much um and you're trailing so much trail and I I just I just admire that I think it's so beautiful and yeah. I think there are far and few between they're they're out there y'all that's I'm trying to find them um <laughs> um that can do what you do. And I know you told me the, um, the last time we like, we like sat down and had a really beautiful discussion, but you're like, it's not that hard. Um, and I'm like, girl, it is that hard. <laughs> That's why it's few and far between. <laughs> no, seriously. So I just, um, I wanted to express like my gratitude for how um, inspiring you are because do you, do you find that it's like difficult because of your um your culture or your race or be, being the fact that you're a woman that like you know you have to maybe compensate for anything I don't want to put anything in your head but like you know like do you want to talk about your representation in the workplace and how you've you felt you know being an Asian American woman and all that jazz yeah absolutely I mean in addition to being you know a woman and Asian American woman I'm also very small I'm very tiny I'm five feet I'm like 95 pounds and like I get mistaken and like not really taken seriously a lot because I also have a very like youthful face. 
Um, it's something that I've always been kind of self-conscious about in the in management roles that I've had. And, you know, a lot of times I'll meet other, you know, people in the industry and they're, you know, really tall, like a six foot man, like fully grown man. And it's like, of course you're the GM of this restaurant. Who doesn't like listen to you as soon as you speak with your deep voice? Um, but I think something that, <laughs> yeah, I think it's like, you, you have to own what you have and you can't let that get to you. And I think especially also for you, I'm sure you felt it being a, a woman in the kitchen, which there's not as many ladies in the kitchen and women of color in the, in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. You, you have to speak up and you have to assert your space and you have to make sure that you are heard and, um, you know, do, do it with, play with the cards you're dealt. You know, I, I definitely have learned that I'm not an aggressive bulldog. Like a lot of the way I get work done and get people to listen is through my warmth. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of playing with the cards you're dealt with. And it takes some time to figure, to even figure out what that is. Um, but I, I've learned to overcome those insecurities definitely. And I'm sure you have, I mentioned your fair share of stories being a woman in the kitchen. That's not, that is not easy at all for sure. <laughs> yeah, girl. <laughs> I will be singing that song to the day I die, girl. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard out here, y'all. <laughs> but um, I love that what you said about um, understanding how you are able to communicate with people in an efficient way and that's through your warmth um because i completely agree with the fact that we need to as individuals especially in a in a workplace setting and then and then also even more in in the hospitality industry like really because it's all about communicating it's a lot uh, communication is (laughs) <laughs> Nobody ever died from over communicating. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's from a fellow colleague, y'all. Um, and I think communication is undoubtedly one of the most important things to success in general. Um, but especially in a in a place where you have to always be on the same page with each other, or else things will not work. <laughs> so and the way that you need to express yourself needs to be receptive towards the other person, obviously, or else you ain't gonna get shit done. So I think that's so, like, I never really thought about it like that until you said that in the sense of when I assert myself a certain way and then it doesn't go away and then I'm like, oh, wow, they're just not hearing me, maybe. But I don't, I I didn't realize that I need to change the way that I communicate in that sense in order to be more receptive. I, I, sometimes I would just give up. I'd be like, okay, well, they just don't want to listen to me. You know what I mean? Um, But that's sometimes, honestly, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Sometimes it is that way. There's people that straight up just, you know, they're a little bit harder to communicate with and that's unfortunate, but yeah. Changing yourself isn't always, it won't always work 100%, but it, you know, learning how to communicate, I would say is definitely a important thing. That's a really good point. Um, there's always going to be apples that don't listen to you. I love how we always use the term apples. <laughs> it's never like oranges. Oh, I, I don't know, but we always say <laughs> like, you know, bad apples or bad trees or bad, you know what I mean? Like, but why yeah. are like oranges or uh, pears? Pears go bad. Um, avocados, those go really bad real quick if you don't pop them in yeah. the fridge or eat them right away. I mean, maybe that's my Californian speaking. I don't know. This is so cliche, but like, I think that what, whatever position you are in at the moment or given or wherever place you are, just always work your hardest. Cause you never know when that skill set or when, you know, that moment is going to come back. I think a lot of times I've had, you know, from the beginning, like when I was at SDK, that first, uh, you know, steakhouse place where I was just doing my job as, you know, we talked about this as the maitre d' there. And then I ended up you know, Chef Tim really noticed that. And then he brought me into another team um, and things such as uh, like that. Uh, for a while at SDK, I also started doing their marketing. I was helping out in their marketing department. And now I am doing marketing for restaurants. And I think that no matter where you are in life, there's always, I find myself, you know, so funny because I pass things off and say, oh, I'm just doing this or this isn't very important, but then it comes up later in life. 
that, you know, is becomes very useful. So I think that, you know, take every moment you have to learn what you can. It's kind of back to that learning and growing thing. Because you never know, even though you write it off in your head that this is, you know, when I was working at STK, I was like, I'm just, you know, I was really frustrated. I was like, I'm just like a, a hostess after I've, you know, graduated college. But then I ended up becoming the opening nature day for this really great restaurant because of all of that front of, like, reservation experience. So I think you just never know where life is going to take you down the road. So always give it your 100% and you never know who's watching is the other thing. Yep. <laughs> tell me about a really bad day at work and then tell me about a really good day at work. <laughs> or some of the best and worst moments that you're like, damn, but that you learned from, obviously. That I learned from. Oh man. Okay. So one of the worst moments, uh, you don't have to give away names or anything if you don't want to. <laughs> but I was scarred from. So when we had opened Odium, it was a very highly anticipated restaurant, right? So, you know, Chef Tim's first restaurant in LA. So we got a lot of, um, and this is my first time uh, dealing with uh, critics, restaurant critics. And they're, you know, they hide their identity. So you don't know who they are and things like that. And then all of a sudden you get this review on, you know, on the local paper, like LA Times or the LA Weekly. And one time we had this review that was just, oh my gosh, so harsh. It was like the harshest review on the restaurant and it like broke me. Like, I don't know why, but I was so emotionally invested at that point. And then it kind of changed the dynamic of the restaurant. Like everyone was very like after that for that whole week, like very on their toes, very scared, mm -hmm. um, very paranoid, scared that there was going to be another review, um, things like that. And then when that happens, um, you like, it's unfortunate because you, you start to lose yourself, you know? Yeah. And it's very easy to lose focus. And instead, you know, it's better to take a deep breath, take the review as it is, and then, you know, just continue to do your thing. Like, continue to put your food out there, your service, your vision out there and like not falter because of it and start, don't start being like reactive because of a bad review. And, um, that goes with, you know, any of, you know, if you're at a restaurant shooting for stars, if you're trying to gain these accolades, it's like, there's there some very intense, stressful moments of working in restaurants, especially when you are trying to like get to the top. Um, but not letting these outside noise and outside voices distract you, um, is something that I learned. And I remember that review was very tough for me because I was also very young at that time and I had never experienced anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've definitely learned, I've matured since then and learned how to like kind of handle that and how to handle these like outside feedback and noise and what to listen to and what to take as it is and continue on. Um, so I guess that was like a worst, but also like a very good learning experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say for the best, um, I, the guest, man, it's always the guest that like will make it worthwhile. Like when you give them you know, good service and, you know, you provide them with a good experience and they, you know, the guests will blow me away sometimes. Like I, I want to share a story. This was at the progress right before we're closing up because um, of COVID and, you know, our, our, we had like really dramatically slowed down. People stopped dining out because of this, the virus was fairly new. Um, so we saw a decline in covers. And I remember those one, I think one of the services right before we closed, uh, there were two of our, two different parties of our regulars. And um, I kind of chatted with them and they told me the same thing. They basically said, hey, I know right now it's really slow, um, but you guys have been here for us the whole time. We love coming here. We love supporting you. We're going to, as long as you guys are open, we're going to keep supporting you. And that's like, when you hear things like that from the guests, you're like, really? Like you guys are awesome. And it makes you feel so good. Like you are doing your job and you're, you're just out there, you know, giving a great experience. You're taking care of your guests and in return, like they care enough to want to take care of you. And you know, those are like the best moments for me. Like when it like comes full circle and you know, the people, the people, <laughs> the people. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, this is a question that I ask everybody. Um, donut bagel or danish bagel bagel ah okay tell me why tell I mean, me I why love <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> i love donuts but i gotta say bagel i feel like there's just like so much more you can do with a bagel and also i spent time in the east coast so i've had some pretty good bagels yeah oh yeah and you lived in jersey man oh. 
Oh yeah, Jersey's lo- Jersey loves their bagels. Ooh, yeah, okay. you can't eat anywhere. Um, in, like they don't even trust New York City um, <laughs> bagels. <laughs> Jersey stands for their bagels so much. They're like, yeah, I guess they will do. <laughs> for sure. What are you? Are you a donut? Oh, donut all the way. Stand donut. every mm-hmm. time. Every time. I I <laughs> just you could like hit me with your car and then show up with a box of donuts and I would forgive you. <laughs> What's your donut? Like go-to donut? Oh, dude. Okay. So it's a three-way tie from the original recipe, like high-raised glazed donut, right? And then an apple fritter, which is like a godsend. It is a gift from God. <laughs> and it's just deep fried. It tastes, it, it, oh my gosh. It tastes like funnel cake and donut made a baby but it also oh girl if you haven't had it oh my lanta and i know chicago guys good donuts i don't doubt it um but they put chunks of apples in it and then there's like maple and cinnamon in the dough and the way that the like the texture of the donut is so beautiful because it's crunchy and um like glazed and hard on the outside but on the inside it's a pillow it is extremely <laughs> holy crap on a cop that shit is good and then the other one is my maple bar which is just a long um um high raised donut with uh, like maple and um maple and brown sugar like frosting yeah. um and girl i get those every time and then you know i i'd be like it depends it depends on what kind of mood i'm in um and it, and i eat all the donuts i eat the shitty ones and i eat the gourmet ones like it don't matter i'll, I'll eat an and ends girl i'll stuff my face with the like shitty powdered um donuts that like leave a film on your mouth oh you know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and i'll go out and pay like eight dollars for one damn like gourmet ass donut because it has gold and shit on it like i'm down for whatever girl and everything in between i love donuts i live and breathe oh my lanta i will say it again that I there that if that's one thing you need to know about me, I just fucking love donuts. They're just amazing. <laughs> They're great. I'm waiting for somebody to pick Danish. Oh my gosh, nobody has picked Danish yet. I don't. I don't know. I'd be surprised. I'd be very surprised if someone picked Danish. I'd be like, really? Let's, well, pe- let's people, hear about it. <laughs> like I said, people stand for Danishes, and Danish can be, you know, like. Uh, and when I say Dan- Danish, I guess it's like a, not lazy way, but like a long-winded way of saying kind of like, just like a laminated dough. You know what I mean? Like it could be a croissant. It could be, um, it could be anything like that. That's just like um, layering of, yeah, yeah, huh. laminated dough <laughs> for all you uh, bakers I do love croissants. See? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yo, I do love Danishes though with the little filling in the middle. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Oof. Oof. But I feel like I got to be in a mood for a Danish, you know? Yes. I feel I, like a bagel I can eat, like, every day. I agree Don't with that. I can eat most days, yeah. I agree with that. Have you been to Porto's in, in Glendale or Downey? Yeah. Okay. Um, I always get their, um, obviously their cheese rolls, but mm-hmm. um, the, uh, the, potato ball? Oh, the potato balls are so good, too. I mean, um, but their Danishes are bomb. Like, because um, in Downey, where I grew up, um, there's two bakeries. Now they have a Porto's. They just built it in, what, I want to say like five or seven years ago they built Porto's there. Um, yeah. But there was also this Cuban bakery, this another Cuban bakery, I should say, because Porto's, for all of you that don't know, is a Cuban bakery. It's a chain. It's really, really great and wonderful. You guys should go um, if you're in the L.A. area. But there's another one called Tropicana uh, Cafe and it's down the street from my house and it's a bomb ass Cuban bakery. Oh my Lanta. I would go with my my sister and my brother-in-law um, all the time um, and they would be like, yo, we got treats from Tropicana and it would just be bread and bread and bread but they got the bombest Danishes. Holy shit. <laughs> oh my God. Besides going to, um, to culinary school, um, those are the best Danishes I've ever had. Um, but really? Yeah, culinary school didn't count because we had world-renowned bakers, like, teaching people how to make croissants and danishes and shit, so, um, and I would come home, like, 3,000 pounds because we would always, like, (laughs) test them, or my roommate was a baker, or we would get them because I was a teaching assistant, but. One of my favorite things is when I find my favorite thing at a, like, at a specific place. 
Yes. You know? But it's not just like, I like Tropicana. It's like, no, I love the Danishes. <laughs> like, you know, like, like you go for that one specific thing that I like always, like, I love that. When and then when me- they don't have it, you're like, I did not have a backup plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I drove all this goddamn way and y'all ran out of fucking Danishes. <laughs> I'd be pissed. Um, but yeah, I, like I said, I stand for Danishes too, but nothing beats a donut. Like I said, you could, yeah. Have you eaten something um, in your career that, like, changed your fucking life? (laughs) Like, your favorite recipe that you've ever had or made or somebody made for you and it just, like, changed your whole worldview of food? No, not – it's not – okay, it's a food that I've had, but it's not the food that changed it. It was the whole presentation. So one of my favorite things at uh, Odium was that they do table-side carvings of large-format food or just a lot of table side stuff. So if you order the tomahawk, which is like the huge ribeye, you know, the Flintstone cut, um, we bring it over, we reel it, like we wheel it on a gyrodon and then we'll like cut it right in front of you. We'll do the salt bay and sprinkle it. We'll shave some truffles if you do extra truffle add-ons. And it's crazy because when you do all of that, it just makes the food taste so much better. And when, like, you know, I've been on the flip side of it where I like came in just to get the tomahawk and I like, I swear to you, when it has the whole, you know, glitz and glam with it, it changes the way like you experience dining. Again, I, I'm very about the whole experience of the dining. I think you, you realize that from, from like my, me speaking the last hour, but it, <laughs> that whole experience like would change my life. I was like, oh my gosh, you can really be so theatrical with food. And it was, it's kind of the first time I've experienced things like that. Like working at Odium, we did a lot of really cool things with food um, that involved just the theatrics of it. And I absolutely loved it. Girl, a good steak will just like, just bring things back to you. Like, like cells and molecules and thoughts and feelings that you know that you didn't think you had like you just feel like parts of you are growing back and you're just like (laughs) I'm sorry to all the vegetarians out there but it's just like there's something about just like eating a cow that it just so mouth-watering I don't man and like yo I love vegetables I love vegetables. They're dope. They're beautiful. They're creative. They're so colorful. They're magical. They're actually a really beautiful way to tell if somebody knows how to cook. Um, because a lot of people, there's this big, huge disposition about, you know, vegetables not being great and they're like gross, but that's because your mom like boiled the shit out of the broccoli or the Brussels sprouts. So it smelled like, you know, day old stewed cabbage. And you're like, God, I hate vegetables because you associate that with pe- because people don't know how to cook them. And when they are cooked properly, they are gorgeous and wonderful and so good for you and make you feel really great. And you think you, and, and it's like Popeye, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you're like, yes, I feel stronger and great, but there's something about a cow, man. Woo. It'll just, damn. Um, <laughs> Um, so, um, I want to talk about what you are doing now in Chicago, because I know you just, um, most recently moved there and just, you said you are in marketing, you are, um, um, with restaurants and such, if you want to expand on your, your job right now. Yeah, absolutely. So right now it's, um, I'm working for a marketing firm, a marketing PR firm, um, and they just launched a food vertical. So uh, they're doing kind of marketing for different uh, restaurants and kind of food and beverage brands. Um, So I'm kind of taking under that vertical, under um, one of my leads. He's fantastic. He, I feel so special to be using, uh, working under him as a mentor. His name is Kevin Pang. He's like a James Beard Award winning journalist. Um, And so learning marketing under him, uh, we got to work with Stan's Donut. We launched a campaign with them, which has been super fun. Um, and then also doing some social media for certain restaurants around the, the city. What made you want to transition into marketing? Um, so I studied business in college, as I mentioned. I also did a little bit of marketing in the past with SDK. Um, and it seemed like a good transition since I was moving to Chicago. Also, honestly, a big part of it was that all the restaurants were closed here. I didn't really have anywhere to work. And um, it just so happened I got connected to um, Melissa Harris, who's kind of the C- who is 
who not kind of who is the CEO of the company um, and uh, she she kind of took me in so I'm very fortunate about that it's a very different view about restaurants but it's such a nice way to be able to use the knowledge that I have of restaurants and kind of use it to spin it in a marketing way and marketing and media way what do you mean like different by a different view of restaurants um, I would say because I know the in, like kind of the inside out workings of a restaurant, it's been a lot easier for me to work with whatever clients. So usually the client that we work with are restaurant owners or chefs and kind of, um, you know, being able to explain to them and work with them on how to best communicate because a lot of marketing is communicating to your guests and to people around. And especially right now in quarantine, the biggest medium of that is social media. A lot of people are, you know, we're communicating through Instagram or, you know, Facebook. And so kind of being able to know how, know how the mind of a chef works and know how they communicate and being able to be that liaison that works well with them and then communicates and markets whatever message to the guest. Thank you so much. <laughs> Great. I it's, love not, it's not as exciting as like a full on dinner service where, you know, we're in the weeds and the tickets are, you know, um, lining out the door and guests are, you know, trying to get their seats. It's not quite as fun, I have to admit, but it is a different take and it's nice to learn something new about, you know, the different, like I mentioned, always taking every opportunity you can to learn more about the industry. And um, this is, it's a, it's not quite the inside of the industry, but it is kind of another take on it. So it's been fun. We miss you. <laughs> we miss, I miss you too. I miss you too. Um, is there anything that you want to like say um, to the the public while you have the floor? Um, if not, that's totally fine. There's no pressure. I was just um, usually people say like something that they wanted to talk about that's not necessarily related to hospitality. The one encouragement I want to say to my ladies is not to sell yourself short. Like I feel like time and time again in my career and my professional life, I've always underestimated myself for any new position or whatever it may be. For some reason, I always thought I wasn't there or I wasn't good enough. And it's uh, it's proven that women are more likely to kind of see, you know, especially with job applications to see requirements and to think that they are not good enough for a position. Mm -hmm. um, don't do that. Don't do that. I think you just take things head on. And then um, nobody's going to know everything on day one. I mean, that's part of training with most positions and most new places. Um, study up and learn a lot, but don't sell yourself short. I think that's a very important message that I wanted to, to put out there for everybody. Thank you. For my ladies, especially. Yes, especially. You make such a good point too, because I think we've all felt that way, honestly. Um, I know I feel that way. I'm incredibly insecure sometimes about my lack of worth and um, lack of skill um, that I've, I've built myself up, you know, over the years, you know, and I, I've established myself um, mentally um, as well as physically, you know what I mean? Like in my work and, and, and what I do, but um, I think we've all been there. So I think that's incredible advice, honestly, to like do you girl like yes yes preach. go for the positions that scare you like you should be going for things that are maybe a little bit you know past your reach but just put in the time and the hard work while you do it as well preach thank you preach. so much <laughs> yeah, thanks and thanks for letting me letting me take the floor and kind of, of voice what I wanted to say and the advice I wanted to give to all the other lovely ladies out there yeah <laughs> I appreciate you coming out you so much. And, and taking the time and sharing your your wonderful story like I said you're just you're one of the people that inspire me to like work better and to be kinder and um you taught me more than you more than you know or more than you think because <laughs> a lot of the things that you said you know earlier in this past hour made me like really really reflect on um how to work with people and you're like I said you're one of the few people I know that knows how to um empathize and understand or try to understand at least and um use that in a way that's efficient um but still um understandable and relatable so I appreciate you girl I, I see I you you said so many kind things because yeah, you're amazing <laughs> <laughs> but I think the name of your podcast is so suiting at least for me like 
with my journey in hospitality, at least, like just stay hungry and humble, like truthfully. Like I, I, I don't think there's any better way to, yeah. to say it. Yeah, just keep pushing, keep growing and keep learning. Ugh. And don't ever think you know everything, like you don't. I, yes. <laughs> yes. It was actually named because the hungry part is for the passionate, um, the passion that I, I see in the people that I want to interview. And then the, the humble part is the fact that a lot of them were like, um, I don't know if my story is like great, but I guess I'll say something about it. But I'm like, no, you have no idea. Like that humility of, and that, and that sense of just like, um, they, they live their own truth. You live your own truth and you stick by it and you have these beautiful values and ethics that you, you know, and obviously we still learn and we out here, we grow in, you know what I mean? We're yeah. still, you know, we're still humans. We make mistakes and we, we try to learn from them, but it's the fact that you guys have this, this humility instilled in you and the fact that it's so relatable and it's so vulnerable and it's so raw that like, it's, it's a pleasure to have you. That's basically. Well, you too, Candice, for sure. I love you, Eunice. <laughs> this is me signing off. Uh, thanks again for coming out and listening to this week's episode. Uh, please follow my social media at Hungry Humble Pod on Twitter and Instagram for future episodes and notifications. You can also rate and review on Apple Podcasts or send feedback to hungryhumblepod at gmail.com if you're really feeling up for it. Um, all of this information will be down below in the description box. Per usual, I'm going to dedicate a song uh, each week to the interviewer. This week I chose Formation by Beyonce. <laughs> um, for many reasons. One particular story comes to mind, actually. Um, Eunice along with the rest of the front of the house crew one night when we were closing down uh, the Progress restaurant, um, was cleaning up, and so were we, the kitchen crew, myself included. And after a long, stressful day and hard service, it was coming towards midnight, and um, I hear this song, the first intro, what you guys heard in the beginning, start play and I instantly got a buttload of energy and I looked across the lobby and I pointed to Eunice and I said girl thank you so much for this I needed this more than you would ever know and we just started laughing and cheering and I started singing along and started doing all the choreography and we had a great time we were judged but I didn't care so um this goes to Eunice for always making me want to uh push more and uh be more and um inspire others to just have a good time and um to do things so um this is beyonce's formation take it away Beyonce. <laughs> Is corny with that Illuminati mess. Paparazzi catch my fly and my cocky fresh. I'm so reckless when I rock my Givenchy dress. I'm so possessive, so I rock his rock necklaces. My daddy Alabama, mama Louisiana. You mix that Negro with that Creole, make a Texas Bama. Sauce in my bag, swag. I see it, I want it. I suck yellow, own it. I dream it, I work hard, I grind till I own it. I twirl on the middle. I buy no alligators. I'm lean over the seedles. I've been careful with no chill. I go out, I go out, I go hard, I go hard. Yeah, what's mine? Hey, what's mine? I'm a star, I'm a star. Cause I slay, I slay, I slay, I slay. Get eliminated
your station. I might get your song played on the radio station. You just might be a black Bill Gates in the making. I just might be a black Bill Gates in the making. Always stay gracious, best revenge is your paper.